looks to assign the number one recruiting class in the nation. Will Muschamp has solidified his tenure for at least a couple more years at the U of SC. Clemson are your defending national champions, and life is good. Welcome back, everyone. Special edition of the podcast tonight. Uh, we are recapping the first day of action in early signing period um, here in the t- 2020 recruiting class. I'm pleased to bring on a repeated guest on the podcast here, I'm a friend of the show, Quacking Tiger. QT, welcome back. You guys are very kind to have me back. It is our pleasure, and um, certainly our listeners are definitely eager to hear from you. It's been maybe a few months now since um, the beginning of the football season since you've been on. So uh, great to have you back. Um, certainly no better time to catch up with you after today's action. Um, Clemson signing a monster class. Um, a lot of this stuff you prognosticated over the years, so it came to fruition, um, which is awesome and a lot to cover here. So much happening in the world of Clemson football, college football, uh, but great to be able to take some time and talk about this class. So um, thanks again for coming on. I guess QT to start us off, there's so many areas we can go with this, but in you following recruiting here for Clemson for quite some time, finally getting that number one class in the country. How would you put that into your own sort of context? Well, I think first I would point out that like this is the first time that we've been able to sign a full class to really have the power of the class um, be present with these rankings. Um, If you remember, you know, Trevor Lawrence and Xavier Thomas, like that was a really great class as well in terms of like star power. Um, But, but it was like average star rating was really nice for some of those classes, right? Smaller class though. Right. And so um, this class gives you a lot of talent, a big class, and fills pretty much every need um, that there was on the roster. And I think this is a really important class because last year's class, although it was really good, um, it wasn't perhaps a national championship caliber or it wasn't like the class before or this class this year in terms of just the the star potential um, and the number of guys that are going to be, you know, on NFL rosters in this class. So I I think it's important, though, nationally, um, to be able to say Clemson has achieved this this goal. Nobody cares about the goal that Dabo says, right? But I, I mean, I, I think behind closed doors, they actually do care a little bit. Recruits talk about it. Um, I know that the the uh, group of recruits that were on the, uh, you know, the messaging groups, they talked about wanting to build the number one class. So, you know, recruits pay attention to this. Um, and it also, you know, it kind of solidifies Clemson's ability to establish this dynasty um, that we're building right now. Because if, let's say Clemson wins these next two games, um, which I think, you know, many of us feel like is very possible. 
um, that would set us up next year for being able to at least win all of the games, probably most likely up into the Notre Dame game where we'll get challenged. And at that point, we'll have established, you know, a winning record that uh, would challenge USC's tenure, that would challenge pretty much every major dynasty that we've seen. So I, I think that this is kind of, um, you know, that that flag that, that shows that Clemson on a national level, everybody kind of has to uh, uh, kind of – take notice i mean everybody does take notice but in the world of recruiting like we finally captured this one last thing yeah definitely right i was gonna say like it in some ways validates the two out of three national championships and we didn't need further validation than those happening um no one really thinks that those were flukes certainly by getting the second one but i think showing that clemson can continue to build and capitalize on that with the number one recruiting class and where the stars align to have the the, the type of turnover of guys going to the league, guys graduating, and there's other circumstances where guys left the program. Seeing that come through in the, in the first kind of full-size class, come through with the number one you know, class in the country is great to see. And I, I always think about, you know, we talk about, and this is mostly detractors of the program or haters talking about like, oh, and Deshaun Watson leaves, you know, you guys, you guys will, will fall off and taper off. That didn't happen. Oh, and then when the, you know, Power Rangers leave. It's going to be back to mm-hmm. back to kind of a crappy defense, and Clemson's going to recede a little bit. And so far, that hasn't happened. And you know, to sign a class like this, um, we'll talk about some of the the names and the stars here, stars of the future. I think this extends that national championship contention window. Like a class like this can extend it even beyond the tenure of these guys, um, just into continuing to build on this class to future classes, guys that'll want to come play with DJ with Brian Brzee, with the rest of these guys in classes in the future. Um, so for me, it just continues to solidify this era for Clemson football. Yeah, those detractors, we might call them the fine bombs of the world, right? Mm, exactly, because they're a mouthpiece. So, um, well, yeah, so pretty good kind of setup there. I think that um, it, maybe what we can start with is just understanding like which uh, for maybe the the lay fan that has not been following this class super closely, um, following kind of the the verbal commitments that happened earlier in the year, um, who are some of the names that you think are going to just be the headline signees um, that people will hear about on ESPN and that kind of thing the next few days? Well, so in, in continuing with this theme of like reloading, right? Because that's what I think this class does um, and sets us up for being able to continue this run of, of dominance in the ACC and also nationally with the playoffs. The first, I think, piece, and, and one of the keys to Clemson's recruiting success has been uh, landing really important pieces in the most important positions. So quarterback would be the first, I think, that everybody should recognize. We've gone with Deshaun Watson, we've had Trevor Lawrence, and now we've got, and here we go, DJ Uyunglele. How's that? Yeah, that's pretty good, right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> It was better than Dabo's today, right? Um, so uh, DJ is a six foot five cannon arm. Um, he is uh, big, strong, sturdy. Like he could play tight end easily, right? He would be really good. Um, but he, you know, he's pretty athletic for his size. Uh, and he led the Bosco team. If you've been following um, his high school career, he led the Bosco team to the national, the high school national championship this year. Um, 
they lost to modern day earlier in the season, which is like the rival. Right. And that's going to be a great um, matchup there throughout their careers because Alabama, of course, signed Bryce Young, who now, you know, has risen up the rankings, recruiting rankings, and some people have him above DJ now. Um, so that's going to be really interesting to watch their two careers. Um, I, you know, it's a great sign uh, signing for, for Alabama. It helps them to have good quarterback play. Cause although Bryce Young is like five foot 10, He's he's got a dynamic arm and, and really good. So you got not, DJ. I was gonna say just not their player profile at all, but it reminds me a little bit of the Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence mm. dynamic of you know two guys kind of competing for the best quarterback in the country, um, signing with at the time kind of two regional rivals. Um, Fields obviously now at Ohio State, but cool that you know that'll that'll probably be a, a building narrative over the coming years, assuming and Bama and Clemson stay at the top. It's a great story already because, I mean, they're friends. They've trained together in California. Um, last year, Bosco won the first matchup. Modern Day won the playoff matchup. This year, that reversed, right, where Bosco lost the first matchup, but they won. Uh, and then they, they went on to win the the uh, national title or the, the California state title, and everybody crowned them the, the king after beating Modern Day. So yeah. really cool for DJ to go out that way. So he's, I mean, he comes from a great program. He's had really great coaching. He, um, he has that leadership. He led modern day or he led Bosco on a, uh, really awesome, thrilling come from behind victory. Uh, they were down like, I think I, I forget what it was. It was something like 28 to six or something like that in the, the game. And, and, uh, just put the team on his back and was able to lead them, uh, to that championship and that win. He's got a cannon of an arm. Uh, he, I mean, the only thing that I think he's really going to have to work on at the collegiate level, because he's got all the tools, he's got all the, you know, the size. Um, he can throw the ball pretty much 70 yards without much trouble. I mean, it's pretty incredible. Um, he has a bit of an over-the-top delivery. It looks a bit funky. Um, and he'll need to, yeah. Yeah, he'll need to, to, you know, work out the kinks with that. But even with that delivery, he's able to get the ball out quick and uh, and – works in this Bosco system that, that uh, would lend to what we do at Clemson very well. So that's one name that everybody should, I mean, he's the next person that's going to, the next quarterback that I think is going to take over barring any in injury for, uh, for Trevor Lawrence. So he gets a year under Trevor to learn the system, learn everything. And then, and then he gets to take over. So really important that we got that next quarterback. I like Puma Chan. I like, you know, Chase Bryce. Um, but to me, uh, you need that elite level of quarterback play, and you need somebody who can stretch the entire field with uh, the the ability to to throw to the weak side and the the field side and and challenge those DBs. And that's what Clemson has been able to do with Trevor Lawrence. Um, so we need that. So that would be you know one major. And then the next area would be restocking on the defensive line. Like we we signed. Uh, the players that everybody in the nation wanted. Um, and the, the main names are going to be Miles Murphy and Brian Brzee. And, uh, you know, both of them have in different recruiting services or different times have, have been the number one overall. I think Brian right now is the, uh, the, the 24 seven composite number one overall. And he's just, a, he's a monster. He's a beast. He can play three tech. He could play defensive end. Um, you know, I think he's going to end up being a being a three tech, but he's like which is Christian Wilkins' position, right? Yeah, yeah, that on the yeah. on the defensive line, and uh, yep. he's going to allow us to be able to play 
uh, more four down because he's an immediate plug-and-play player. Like, I think he's further along than Christian Wilkins was at this point. Um, and, uh, I mean, he, he's violent. He yeah, loves to seeing play. Any, any film from high school, and he also played on offense, but any right, film right. of him, like, you're just going to see this – it's, a, it's a, a giant beast of a man among boys – collapsing lines, you know, clawing into that backfield and not just with power, but with speed. Um, so yeah, just and, and he, you know, he, he's from Damascus, right out in Maryland, um, which is, you know, not the best competition in the world, but he's been doing this also at all of these camps. Um, yeah. and, and, you know, nobody seems to think that this isn't going to translate to the, the college level. Um, the thing I like about him and Dabo pointed this out is like, he's heavy handed, right? Um, so he has advanced technique and his ability to disengage from offensive linemen, um, to use that combination of speed and power on the interior. And this season, I think his pad level has just gotten a little bit better. So he, he's going to be absolutely someone that's going to be in the two deep, if not starting pretty much next season. And, you know, pairing him with Tyler Davis is something that's really exciting and gives you, the, you know, the Christian Wilkins, Dexter Lawrence kind of, uh, combo back on our on our defensive line and then miles murphy is the other guy who i i think looks a lot like uh clee furl uh just with his rare combo i mean he's a big guy at six foot five some people thought that he would grow into a defensive end but or a defensive tackle but uh, i think he's going to stay at defensive end strong side uh and he can play the run or the pass he's really really quick um but looks a lot like uh, Furl did kind of coming off the edge um, with that big body and long reach, long wingspan. Something that I, I you know, our defensive ends right now are, are good, but maybe not. We don't have that mold of player. It's kind of like Maskell once he comes along, it's a little bit more of that, that mold of player. So I think that uh, Murphy is going to have a chance to step into the two deep next, uh, next year and be able to play a, a role for sure maybe like the same way that Xavier Thomas did uh, in his freshman year. And then, you know, Capehart is the other guy uh, who I think. Another five-star from yeah, South yeah. Carolina. Yeah. <laughs> He's another five-star. Um, great job by the Clemson coaching staff of identifying this guy early. He wanted to come to Clemson, but Clemson uh, played a role in getting him, encouraging him to go to IMG Academy and it paid off for him big time because he was going to be one of those, you know, great, talented South Carolina athletes who needs a lot of refining of their, you know, technique, who needs a lot of time working on their pad level, their, um, their strength maybe. Um, so he, you know, he took that first year that where he would have needed that time normally had he just stayed at, at South Carolina. Um, and, you know, he just augmented his, his ability to, uh, to contribute. Um, and he, I mean, at IMG, he stole the show in a lot of those games, uh, really disruptive. He's longer than you think he's bigger than you think he's like six foot five. He's got a, um, you know, pretty built upper body. Uh, and I've just been really impressed with, with his trajectory. So I, you know, those are three guys that anybody in the country wanted to have on their, uh, you know, as part of their defensive line hall. And then, you you know, you, then you got some other guys too, right? It's like we did, we weren't done there. Uh, we've got uh, Trey Williams as well. 
Um, and, uh, you know, there's questions about where uh, we would slot Kevin Swint. I mean, he may move down into and, and be a bigger guy. And then one of my favorites, who I'm sure we'll talk about more, is the, the recent Trenton Simpson uh, commitment, who I have always said is so versatile and looks like, you know, Vic Beasley to me in a certain way in, in his versatility that he could become a defensive lineman as well as play linebacker just depending upon the scheme. That's why I kept saying, well, we could take both, right? Um, with uh, Flo, so, you mean? Yeah, yeah, with, uh, with Justin Flo. So those are, the, right. I mean, those are the names right there that I think will have the, the most instant impact um, next season. And the other guy that, I, that everybody's going to know about next season, and maybe I should have let off with him, is, uh, is Bowman. Um, he, like, so I was really surprised that Dabo went with the, um, he went with CJ Spiller as the comparison. Um, Demarcus Bowman is our running back take, um, from Florida, deep in Florida, right? I mean, Lakeland high school, one of the premier high schools in all of the nation, but especially in Florida, uh, late chatter about UF trying to make a move, but I thought he was, was he always kind of a Florida like had a look at Florida. Well, Lakeland is like a pipeline historically for yeah. Florida, right? And they, I yeah. mean, they just they sign, they've signed a ton of great players, and they just have really good connections with with UF. So I think there's just an expectation in their fan base that they would get, um, you know, the top player in the state of Florida, right? And they'd be able to pull him. Um, but he he uh, committed to Clemson, and there were some you know rumblings again, right when he signed, like oh you know watch out, blah blah blah. Nothing, not a single thing. He didn't waver once or one little bit. Uh, I never heard anything uh, about a potential you know wavering, um, and so that I mean that's pretty remarkable with all of the potential pressure in in Florida to go to an in-state school. Obviously, it helps when Florida State's not that great and they fire their coach. Um, but still, I mean, Florida's just sitting there. Uh, anyway, so he at Lakeland was amazing. I mean, he, he just really, uh, can step in next year and will be the, I think the second running back along with, um, Dixon as the season progresses. Yeah. Which is just perfect timing with ETN, presumably, uh, departing for the NFL. Um, it'll be interesting like to see what he does with opportunities and looks he's, he's given next year. Uh, is he going to right right out of the gate, you know, make that type of impact that we saw flashes from, from ETN. Um, fortunately it was a pretty deep running back roster um, in the 2017 class. Uh, but in any event, yeah. Awesome to see Clemson continue to reload at a position of need at running back there. Um, and we signed another running back today too, right? Um, Kobe Pryor. It was yeah. Kobe Pryor, yeah. Uh, what type of look does Pryor give us? He's a bigger back. Um, I, I mean, I, I, it's not that I don't like Pryor at all. Um, I, I think he's going to take some time to develop. He's got to get a, a, a little bit stronger. I mean, he's strong now, and he's going to be like the big back mold of, of player that, you know, is, is going to fill a need in the roster, right? Because with Malusi and with Dukes, uh, I mean, Malusi will probably gain another five, 10 pounds and be, be that bigger back for us next year. But Pryor will fill a role. The question with Pryor is whether or not he has like the speed to be able to be, you know, an elite back versus just kind of like, uh, you know, fulfills his role. But he, he, you know, he comes from um, Georgia. 
Uh, and, uh, and he looks a bit like, you know, a, a, a Georgia running back, right? Kind of bigger guy plodding yeah. through. He waited on that, uh, on the, uh, Georgia offer for a long time didn't come and he went you know and just went to Clemson uh, and this is the guy that uh, Tony Elliott really wanted as his second take thought he filled that need so you know the the question with him is just going to be like can he be that elite level um, player or is he you know is he going to struggle adjusting to the college level and kind of getting tackled and things versus high school where he's just like a battering ram right um, he has really good good high school film. So, you know, we'll see how that uh, how how he develops. Bowman is the guy, though, that I'm I can't wait to get on the yeah. field. He'll be the you know passing threat out of the backfield. He's got speed. He's got a unique blend of power. Great vision. Makes cuts. Um, has played against the best competition in Florida and played his best against the best competition in Florida. Um, winning the state championship last year. He, you know. Same kind of thing as like DJ putting the team on his back. Uh, Demarcus has already done that uh, as well. So really excited about uh, about Bowman. And once I, the last thing I'll say, and I said I would be like less rambling, right? So I cut myself <laughs> off here, but it was I, I gotta congratulate the Clemson coaching staff. They avoided. Zach Evans, you know, jumping from team to team. Like they, they said, they weren't going to participate in that. They went in on DeMarcus Bowman beforehand, and then they went out and got their second guy, and they didn't play around with it, which, you know, at the time was like, whoa, you know, we could get Zach Evans. Why are we, you know? And that was a, that was a really good move uh, by the coaching staff. We still have no idea where Zach Evans is going to land. Changes uh, week to week, month to month. So, um, once Zach Evans didn't uh, visit, Tony Elliott just went and moved on to the guy he wanted. So really good good move by the coaching staff. And it seems like that was slightly the case too with uh, with Coach Brent Venables and Trenton Simpson relative to Justin Flo. Uh, any commentary there? I mean, I think we're, we as fans are kind of moved on. It would have been amazing to get Flo as well. Um, he went to Oregon or he signed with Oregon. Um, so they're certainly building a defensive juggernaut over there in Eugene. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Any thoughts there on kind of this – did that play out kind of as I described? Uh, Venables, you know, Flo not necessarily being um, fully committed to Clemson. Venables knowing he needed to get get his guy and went out and got Simpson. I mean, I'll say I, I was shocked at the developments this, this past week uh, just because at – two junctures in his recruitment Flo was like a member of the Clemson, you know, recruiting, uh, class. like it, yeah. It, in, recruiting on behalf of like recruiting other recruits to come. Right. Uh, yeah. I mean like video done graphics that, you know, I mean like that level of, uh, of commitment that was almost there. And it was just kind of like, okay, we're going to hold off because, you know, we're going to wait and see what happens with USC, um, you know. Yeah, with, their, gonna, with their coaching situation. Yeah. We're going to do our homework. Right? And so that's why I kept saying to, to, you know, everybody. And, you know, I almost feel bad because it's like, I, in my mind, like the coaching staff viewed him as a commit, right? Um, yeah. So that, that I, it, it's a pretty big shocker that, uh, that things unfolded the way they did. 
Um, if you want to like, uh, if you go back and listen to what Venables talked about with uh, Coach Munson uh, today, he he gives a pretty like clear picture in the the signing day recap thing of some of his kind of take on on how that that went down. And so, um, yeah, you know, I mean, like once they had that meeting, right? Uh, I think the the coaching staff had a decision to make. And Trenton Simpson sitting here, like, waving a Clemson flag, like, you know, in front of the bus, trying to wave them down, literally buying a ticket to the ACC championship game. I mean, how awesome is that, too, right? Like, I, yeah. <laughs> I it's one of the reasons why I like Trenton Simpson so much. It's like, this guy was not just, like, one of those recruits who says, oh, I, this is my childhood favorite, you know, which almost never comes to fruition. This <laughs> This guy was – you know, all about it and made the effort, which Dabo really, really cares about. So, um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Trenton Simpson was a guy that was a five-star who, you know, in, in comparison to Flo, I think you can point to certain things that Trenton Simpson does that fit better with what Clemson uh, or what Brent Venables does. Um, so, uh, I, I'm really it's not really a consolation prize, is it? It's like yeah, this is a great I, fit. I'm I'm yeah. torn up about losing Justin Flo. Like I, he would have been awesome. He would have been great. But yeah. you know, and this is I'll end here in saying this: you have a guy that's in Charlotte that's banging down your door, who wants to come, who's just developing and and has a you know a trajectory that that uh, should send him to the NFL, um, who understands. Brent Venables and who understands patience and, and uh, is going to come in and just going to work um, versus, you know, you got a guy who's all the way across the country, who's got a group um, of, uh, you know, supporters and, and an inner circle that really wants him to succeed and wants to see him on the field this next season. And with Brent Venables linebackers, like it is hard to see the field that first year. So I could see a scenario where you got a guy that's from Charlotte versus a guy who, you know, across the country gets homesick or is getting pulled in different directions. And you just kind of lean towards uh, the bird in hand that uh, makes a lot of sense and checks all your boxes anyway. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I wish you could grab both of them, but whatever. Yeah. <laughs> amazing class anyway you know we should not be at this hour you know lamenting that too hard but yes, uh, it's one of those what might have been but uh it's all good um qc i think one area there's certainly a lot of other names we can go through here and um we will i feel like one area that i think we uh celebrated early on in the 2020 class starting to form was uh the recruitment on the offensive line and how um okay you know early on we identified dj would be coming or we were pretty certain of that uh, we know there's going to be turnover this year on the offensive line with guys um, graduating or, you know, exhausting their eligibility, um, ideally also going to the NFL. So pretty imperative when you think about um, Trevor Lawrence next year and DJ coming into quarterback from that point onward um, to have a, a really solid offensive line class. And I would say if I had to summarize kind of your writing over the years, it it is this area of the team that – um, is one where you really would have hoped um, the, the volume of takes would have been there. And I got to ask you, like, how are you doing now at the O-line? Yes, I've been accused of beating a dead horse or <laughs> many. Um, 
this was a pivotal like seminal class for the o-line and for the health of the o-line moving forward i'm still not happy right because um it, last year's class was also really important um and and we got some guys that are you know a bit more of the warm body type than like the elite level of recruits that we've been recruiting at every single position we did grab putnam at the end right and that is kind of the saving throw uh to use yep. a dnd reference i didn't i just used the dnd reference oh no um <laughs> yeah. we'll allow it we'll allow edit it that edit that out <laughs> um no uh so we got putnam that's really big um, but you know, we took a class with that where Chandler Reeves, right? He he hung it up a year early, right? And and mm -hmm. provide us the depth to tackle. So we're sitting uh, next year. We're gonna you know lose four offensive linemen. Um, we're we're gonna keep our left tackle, which is awesome, great. He's probably gonna go to the NFL after next year, right? I mean, he mm -hmm. he has that ability to be able to go to the NFL next year especially if he wins two national championships, you know, uh, and plays really well against Chase Young, which we hope uh, he will. So, um, so you're going to have in, in these next two years, a completely new offensive line. Um, so this, this class was really important for nailing down depth, both at tackle and uh, at, in, in the interior. Um, you know, if we're, we're thinking about next year's starting offensive line, you're going to have Carmen, you can have Bockhorst, uh, and you know, and he comes from a class where you know you lost to Hond, uh, and you lost, uh, and and Vincent's health has has been up and down, right? So hopefully he can come back healthy, um, and then you're going to start at center, Cade Stewart, and you know that's been a bit of an adventure uh, this season with with snaps, um, yeah. and then you know on the other side Putnam probably right like. Uh, that's not an ideal situation that he would be thrust into that position this early after just playing kind of backup snaps as a freshman. That's probably what's going to happen. And then you have a very capable uh, Jordan McFadden. Um, I, I say that, but you know, I mean, McFadden hasn't taken his lumps yet. Like he, he just got, you know, bulldozed against South Carolina when we played their the best defensive line uh, a few times, which wasn't awesome to see, but you know, I think he, he can be uh, our next great kind of, right tackle and and then probably take over a left tackle after that anyway so that gives you the lay of the land like I, i'm for trevor lawrence right and for a brand new running back and no no longer having etn um that's that you know i i would have hoped that we would have had a little bit better offensive line but you know everybody wants to have a little bit better offensive line i get that um so this class was really important we nailed the uh walker parks um he is the the kind of the tackle of the future, the, our Mitch Hyatt, who hopefully will be able to step in right away and play as a as a true freshman in the two deep at least. Um, you know, I mean, I just laid something out, and then you know, if there's any injury there, then things get really scary right after that. Walker Parks is sitting there as like probably your your number three uh, tackle now that Chandler Reeves is gone, or maybe Blake Vincent is able to come back and and give depth there. Um, so, that, I mean, that shows you just how important that take is. He still needs to, you know, gain another 10 pounds and do some developmental work, but he's just been on an uh, upward trajectory ever since uh, he, he signed with Clemson. So that was a really great evaluation and a great sign. Um, the, the other guy that I think is really awesome 
is uh, is Paul Tio. Uh, it sounds like it should be, or it looks like it should be pronounced differently, but um, yeah, he came in uh, his junior year. Uh, Caldwell said this at the the uh, recruiting thing, but he was about he said 340 pounds and I, I would have said, Oh yeah, two or three twenty ish. Right. But it was really, it was, he was three forty, uh, an interior guy. Uh, but he's lost like 40 pounds. Um, and he looks amazing. And he now I think could be a swing tackle or guard, which gives us versatility, which is amazing. Um, so those are the two names that I think are like your, your standouts, uh, and then you've got a lot of uh, other players that are potentials, especially as they move inside. So, um, and, and most of these guys are enrolling early, except for Walker Parks. He's not enrolling early, which is, that's too bad. But um, yeah, you got uh, a guy out of uh, North Carolina, one of the top uh, prospects in North Carolina, Mitchell Mays, who ESPN thinks is a five-star and like other recruiting services think is like, you know, the 70th tackle in the country. So it'll be interesting to see how he, uh, how his uh, development kind of uh, progresses because he's a big guy. He's going to have to lose some weight. But if he sticks on the interior uh, or if he moves to the interior, I think he could have uh, a lot of value there and, and could see the field earlier. And then Bryn Tucker is the, the other guy who's just big bodies, like really big bodies that um, I think will we'll be able to uh, – to help us yeah, out. Think, Brian, I think sorry. They're, they're, they're both like uh, six five, north of three bills. Uh, big fellas. Yeah. <laughs> big guys, big guys. Um, so it's just about like how they develop and how they take to the training regiment when they enter in. So, th so those are names to watch over the summer to see how, how they're progressing um, to know if they're going to be able to, to, you know, they'll either redshirt or they'll try to help us out in the next season because, you know, we're thin on the interior as well. Um, we're, we're going to need Kate Stewart or Hunter Rayburn to, to step up at center. So, um, and then, you know, Dabo had his late take, right. Uh, but I can't complain. Like I love taking six offensive linemen. I mean, that's, that's always good. Trent Howard is, uh, yeah, Trent Howard mm -hmm. connections to Dabo, uh, his, uh, teammate at, at Alabama and, uh, you know, Georgia tech commitment who, who wanted to be a Clemson tiger. So, you know, I mean, I can't, can't get too mad when, you know, you've got these recruits that want to be uh, Tigers and that are connected and, and are decent players, right, and are good, good players. And I love more offensive linemen. I mean, it's just a hard, hard position to scout and a hard position to project. So give me the numbers. Um, at that yeah. point. It's like the numbers and Dabo knows culture fit and, you know, has, has a good eye for talent as much as anybody. Um, Trent Howard's certainly not a five-hard Dabo type of take. Um, like you said, he's been recruited to – an FBS power five ACC level program. So um, certainly yeah. I think Davos saw something there to use one of our finite uh, spots on Trent Howard. Yeah. Georgia tech had a really good recruiting class too. Um, mm -hmm. You know, they're in the top 25, which I mean, they haven't been there in years, like almost a decade. Right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Recruiting. So uh, mm -hmm. big, big turnaround. And, and, you know, and that was a piece that we took from them. Uh, from somebody that we have to pay, play every every season. So I, I like that even more. Yeah, so maybe sticking with the O-line with this question, and then I want to pivot us to the whole the whole of the team and potentially on the defensive side. Um, you mentioned sort of the cupboard being not a little bit bare, but um, could, be, could be fuller in terms of depth and experience. 
at the O-line position, do you feel like this signing class will provide depth for next season in a way that uh, can help Trevor Lawrence, you know, to succeed in this offense? Or is Trevor Lawrence really going to be scrambling for his life next year? Do you feel like this class helps shore things up? I think um, it would be, would have been great if this class had happened last year, because then it would have been able to shore up anything for, for Trevor's last run. Um, next season, I think we're fine uh, unless we have an injury. And then we're going to need this, this uh, group of guys to be able to step in and, and plug holes. And that's what it'll be doing. I mean, it'll just be plugging holes rather than, you know, uh, dominating people on the ground the way that we've kind of become accustomed to, at least in the ACC play, to have our way. Uh, and, you know, and then you combine that with new running backs or running backs, you know, Dixon taking on uh, the, the main role who aren't exactly power backs, right? In the way that ETN is just like a, you know, a yards after contact machine, right? Breaking mm-hmm. tackles left and right. So, um, you know, that, that doesn't make me feel like uh, we've done Trevor Lawrence any favors next season, but I don't think it's a disaster by any stretch. Like, you know, I love Carmen and Bockhorst on the left side. I mean, that sounds great. Um, I think McFadden's very capable. I think Putnam was a steal. Like Tyler Davis and Putnam taken from Florida State is why Florida State is having, you know, the the problems that they're having uh, on the lines, right? I mean, those were key steals that we had from a main division, our main division rival. And and probably one of the reasons why Willie Tiger got fired, right? I mean, he didn't deliver on just really good talent in Tyler Davis and and Will Putnam. So, I, you know, I feel good about the front uh, and the starters. It's just, you know, a question of building depth. But but we have the schedule to be able to do that next season, which is great. Yeah, and what's also nice, we found out, I think, yesterday that um, Amari Rogers will be returning. So yeah, continuing cool. to have some stability there in his weapons, uh, seemingly on the outside, and uh, maybe getting uh, something going over the middle would be nice, too. Um, you know, you can scheme around any sort of greenness on the O-line next year, ideally. Um, that won't hold up in the playoff, but building through the, the schedule that we'll have, I agree with you. They'll, they'll, they'll have time to figure that out. And we'll have, you know, more experienced tight end play than we did this year that should help out. You know, Price yeah. will have another year, and he's good, good blocker. And then, you know, Galloway being able to stretch the field. And I love me some Davis Allen. I think he's a, a star uh, in the making. Um, yeah. So, you know we will have a lot of talent still at wide receiver. I already missed T Higgins, uh, but uh, you know, we have capable guys coming in after. Yeah. And Gata and Ladson certainly have not been slouches in their first year. So um, maybe last thought on receiver um, Clemson also signed EJ Williams also out of Phoenix city where we picked up Justin Ross uh, two years ago. Um, Now, you know, awesome pipeline that's developing there in a pretty talent rich part of that state that I think was dominated by Alabama and Auburn, you know, prior to us going in there and signing Ross. So um, what can you tell us about EJ Williams? Ray Thornton too, right? Um, we we mm-hmm. grabbed him as well from Phoenix city. No, oh, EJ Williams is like, he, he looks and uh, plays very similar to, uh, to Justin Ross, maybe not the, like the crazy ball skills, but he, he, uh, I think he's actually a little bit faster probably uh, than, than Ross, but he's the same kind of like smooth athlete, gets in and out of his breaks really well. Um, 
and uh, you know, I think he. It'll be interesting to see if he plays the five or plays the nine position. Right, the nine is like the stretch the field kind of guy, and the the five is more, um, you know, underneath getting open, combo routes and things like that. And so, um, yeah, I I, I think uh, EJ Williams is just like you know top one hundred wide receiver. And remember, I, you know, I think that this wide receiver class was a little bit weak. So getting a guy like EJ Williams, pulling him out of Alabama, is a is a really good. Yeah, you know, it's 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 Jeff Scott's like last. Hurrah at Clemson, right, is being able to, to pull in a last wide receiver U class. Uh, E.J. Williams extends that, uh, that legacy um, and is a really solid piece. I, I think he's – I mean, some people have compared him to, like, Trevion, Trevion Thompson. I think he's, he's better than, than uh, that kind of projection. I think he'll have a bigger, uh, bigger influence. Like, a little bit uh, – like, I, I see a, similar, a similarity in, in body type and – and the way that he plays with Jerron Brown, but like more athletic Jerron Brown, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. I mean, missing out on Julian Fleming, who signed Ohio State back in the month of May. Uh, certainly, we we were hoping he would come to Clemson. He's the consensus number one receiver. Uh, that would have been a nice farewell gift uh, from Jeff Scott. But uh, yeah, great to, again, I think that uh, Williams will fill a position of need. And as a as the kind of wide receiver class shakes out, I think the Ngata and Ladson combo like give you more of the outside threat. And I think Williams will come, come in. Yeah. Into that five spot and, you know, potentially um, give DJ a weapon for the long term. And one last uh, thought on the, the Fleming uh, deal as well. Like, again, I got to give credit to our coaches. We, there was, you know, Raheem Jarrett and there was Fleming and we decided not to, you know, kind of wade into the Raheem Jarrett waters. And as we saw today, right, he uh, he flipped from a commitment that he's had for like six, seven months, right, with LSU or something like that. And uh, last minute goes to Maryland. I mean, shocking the, the recruiting world today. And that was like a, a hornet's nest in terms of like getting a player and having them stay with you that, that Clemson avoided. So another good decision by the by Jeff Scott and the coaching staff. Um, you know, Fleming. Ohio's, yeah, I was going to say Ohio State. That you talked about this being sort of a down wide receiver class. Ohio State took everybody. You know, for the most part. Yeah. Um, they yeah, signed four yeah, receivers. They they took yeah. the kid out of uh, Texas too, who's, who's uh, who I think is really underrated too. Like those are the two I, I, I like. I mean, I, I think Fleming is good. Um, he, I think Fleming is a five star like wide receiver. I don't think he's like number two overall in the country though. You know. Um, yeah. So I think you know his his stature in the recruiting world is a bit overblown because of the it was a bit of a, a weaker um, wide receiver class because you know he's up in Pennsylvania his competition's not that great when he's played against really good players like he's excelled at at sometimes but a little bit inconsistent I would say for somebody who's supposed to be like a five star like no doubt you know uh, NFL wide receiver I, like I don't I don't necessarily see that in the same way that I've had in past classes where the number one receiver was just like amazing, like T Higgins or something like that. Mm-hmm. Maybe like a little sour grapes. I don't know, but, uh, but <laughs> whatever uh, it is. Yeah. I mean, you know, his um, measurables are fine and he, you know, he can jump out of the gym, right. He's amazing uh, athleticism. Um, but he, you know, he's not a dominant like nine guy that's going to 
burn you and uh, hit you over the top. And I mean, he's solid all around. And, and so anyway, we didn't land him, but we, you know, we got our guys and we, we went with a Joe, a Joe, right. Uh, who's mm-hmm. just like an athletic, uh, raw specimen, uh, muscular freak. I mean, he is just like, wow. Um, long arms, but not like, you know, lanky arms, um, a lot of potential there. So, you know, we went with kind of like potential and guys that we could build and, and, uh, and develop versus like the, the clear, you know, five-star talent um, chasing those guys. So I think that was a good move in this class. Yeah. I, I do want to pivot us soon here to talking like the defense of next year and where this, this year's class can play into that. Real quickly, though, we've, we mentioned his name a couple of times and we're on the topic of receivers. I do want to ask you about Jeff Scott's departure to become a head coach at South Florida. Um, certainly he was our receivers coach, but also the lead head of recruiting and our recruiting coordinator at Clemson. You could call him the architect of these national championship teams by way of the talent uh, position group coaches and the other coordinators completely involved in the recruitment process. But um, Jeff Scott really taking Dabo's vision from when he was in that role and taking it to another level here. Um, any Clemson fan, I think this departure means a lot or should mean a lot to you. Um, Jeff Scott is one of Clemson's own, played for Clemson, um, has a lot of history there. So we do wish him the best. I feel like I'd be curious to get your take, QT, just from the recruiting lens of where you think this will play out in, you know, in the immediate coming seasons um, and really what you think Clemson's going to do to replace him on the staff. Well, first, I think it's a great move to give Todd Bates the recruiting coordinator um, and, and uh, you know, moving uh, Streeter into the passing, you know, coordinator role and then and Todd Bates taking over uh, the recruiting role because he's he's the best. And if we go back historically, right, Billy Napier was really the, the kind of the first um, coach under Dabo to really push and help us, you know, make recruiting a priority and, and elevate our recruiting. Uh, and then Jeff Scott really took that mantle and did a better job than I think anybody's done. I mean, obviously like this is the, the, you know, the first uh, number one recruiting class, probably our best recruiting class ever. Right. But we were coming off of a six and seven season and we were able to go into the state of Florida and pluck out amazing town. I mean, Sammy Watkins, a whole bunch of players that were able to build Clemson into what it's become. So yes, absolutely. Like, Jeff Scott deserves a ton of credit for being part of the architecture, at least in relation to recruiting and specifically getting us into places that Clemson had not been. I mean, Clemson was, you know, uh, people don't remember, right? I mean, it's crazy to think about this, but like people don't remember how hard it was to enter into some of these schools in the state of Florida specifically. And then after we were able to kind of get into Florida, we built those relationships and that this is where Tony Elliott and Jeff Scott just hammered and hammered and, and really made inroads into Georgia. And that's where, you know, we were able to uh, reap the benefits and getting all the players from Georgia that helped us make the national championship run. But that doesn't happen unless Jeff Scott is able to, to enter into uh, Florida the way that, that he did. So it, it is a loss. And, and, you know, Jeff Scott isn't the recruiting, wasn't, hasn't been the recruiting coordinator for a long time, but 
you know, when you really needed help on a particular recruit and, you know, the, the staff did a lot of group recruiting, like Jeff Scott was your ace that came in, right? Um, Dabo's a closer, like Dabo, you know, once they get him on campus, like Dabo works the magic and, and is one of the best coaches um, for that in all space and time, right? Like he, he's really good once you get into his home and once you get in, in uh, you know, once, once you get into Dabo land and then into Dabo's home, like that's great. But Jeff Scott was the, the ace like connector, the, the connective tissue that made it a lot of it work. So I think the machine is built. Like I don't think that uh, not having Jeff Scott now is like going to, destroy anything right like i don't think we're going to take a step a huge step back but i do think that we'll like we'll we'll need other um you know other coordinator other coaches to fill a bit of that role of like the you know when we bring in the guy like on defense we bring in brent venables right and venables is one of the best defensive coordinator uh recruiters that i that there are in the country and and he's amazing and uh and, you know, he, I, I think he's the reason why we, we got Trenton Simpson, right? Because he had kept that fire going. He kept that relationship going. He's really good at building relationships and maintaining them. Um, and Jeff Scott was kind of like the guy that we, we brought in. And, and he, he's the big fish lander of the wide receivers. So we're going to miss that. We're going to need somebody else to step up. But Todd Bates has done a really good job uh, at, at being the next, you know, great recruiter at Clemson. So big shoes to fill. Um, for Grisham. Uh, but you know, he seems eager and, and he's going to put the work in and pound the pavement and build those relationships. But so last, last thing, I know I'm rambling already. Uh, the Lakeland relationship, right? Like not all coaches get into Lakeland like that. This doesn't happen. Um, Jeff Scott has cultivated that relationship for four or five years. That is not something that you can just easily replace with Tyler Grisham, you know, like with anybody from the Clemson staff just kind of coming down and being like, Oh yeah. Hey, you know, it's great. Um, that, that was really a, a Jeff Scott relationship. And that's why he's going to do great at, uh, at South Florida because he, he really has spent the time in that area and, and, uh, and done the, the legwork to, to be able to, to have the, um, so that, you know, that's just, a, I, I, if we didn't have Jeff Scott, I don't, I don't know if we get to Marcus Bowman. Right. Yep. Yeah, I, I kind of liken it to, well, the way, way I was thinking about it is like, you know, does Dabo, now that we've kind of lost our first coordinator, I know we, we did lose Chad Morris uh, a long time ago, but he really wasn't as, you know, weaved into the, you know, the, the texture of the, the whole program, the way Jeff Scott has been. I'm wondering if you start to think about, you know, those relationships built, how are you ensuring for sort of like redundancy or, um, you know, continuity of relationships like that. And it's difficult to do. Um, you're never going to have that same relationship as like the primary face of your program with these coaches or these, these programs um, at high schools around the country. Um, but it is something, it's kind of new to the team, new to the program with Jeff moving on that uh, will be just, I don't know, it's kind of, there's no way for us to observe this or think through it. It's just, uh, or validate that it's happening or not. Um, it's just new. And I'm just figuring out like, yeah, what, what effect does that have on next year's class, let's say, with being able to go into some of these states like we have? Well, the last thing I would say is that if, like, if Jeff Scott had left like four years ago, like, I think this would have been a bigger problem. But the brand has been built in a way that it's, it's, it's very strong, right? And, um, and, and Dabo has always been 
the the art like the the major brand you know voice and it's and it's his program um so you know i if this had been four years ago i don't i'm not sure that that like that is uh, is as strong as it is today um yeah. i think you know, i think we could lose tony elliott we could lose jeff scott and we, we still would have a uh, uh this ability to continue to to uh recruit in the same way because we, i mean now we have the national championships as well that we have like all of these guys that are growing up now have known nothing but Clemson success. Like there, there's a lot that's going for Clemson beyond those personalities that I think will, will help us uh, to continue. It's just in those moments where we got to bring in that big, big, you know, we got to land that big fish. We got to bring in that coach to go into that home in a way that Jeff Scott was really good at connecting people and, and, um, and working, working that, uh, last minute magic to help build relationships and things like that. Like that, that Jeff Scott was really good at that. And so we, you know, we just have to have, find a coordinator, find a, a coach, sorry, that's going to be able to do those same kind of things. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, one recommendation, and I guess those folks listening and even to UQT um, on the athletic, uh, there's an app out there called the athletic recommend everyone subscribe to that. Um, Andy Staples has a show. He interviewed Jeff Scott on that show um, really in the last couple of days to talk about his hire at USF. And um, in addition to kind of talking through what his process has been like of getting that job and the first few days and how crazy that is and sounds like, uh, he spent a good 10, 15 minutes breaking down his time as um, a coordinator at Clemson and really leading the recruiting charge and how he thinks that'll translate to how it will and how it will not translate to USF really great listen Jeff Scott did a great job he's going to be super successful as head coach um, recommend you guys check that out on the athletic app it's a great app R really recommend people subscribing to it Grace Rayner does a good job on the Clemson beat over there and they've got some pretty solid national writing too um, but enough with that plug uh, QT I want to take us back to talking about the defense and there's a few names in the recruiting uh, class this year that we didn't really touch on um, Fred Davis being one of those. And I'm just curious, like when you think about uh, we will be graduating and sending guys into the league from the secondary on this Clemson team, it sounds like earlier we're looking forward to continuing to have a really good front on the defense, possibly having more strength in a pass rush next year than we have this past year. Mm -hmm. um, maybe across the whole complexion of the defense, like do you feel like it's going to be, and I, I think everyone would say this year's defense exceeded expectations. How do you see next year, like having a different look and feel from this year's defense? And, you know, what can people start to expect across the three levels? So Brent Venables was able to, you know, uh, unleash like three or four different base defenses because he had the personnel that were that versatile um, and that experience that they were able to handle all of that. So, you know, you, you, you lose a piece like Simmons um, and you lose the ability to kind of be multiple in the ways in which you attack um, different offenses. So, I mean, one of the things that, uh, for listeners out there, one of the things that drives offensive coordinators crazy when they play Clemson is they don't know what they're preparing for. Like, normally a, uh, a defense sticks generally to – one maybe two kind of base defenses but but uh venables throws the kitchen sink at everybody and he's able to do that because he's got you know three five-year 
uh, starters on the back end. So, you know, losing Kayvon, losing Muse, losing Simmons, those are big losses um, in terms of experience and in terms of uh, having a, a piece that you can play with in different ways. Um, we're going to lose AJ Terrell to the NFL, undoubtedly. Um, the emergence of DK is great, so we're going to continue to have – right, because Brent Venables needs to have really solid corner play to be able to play with everything in the middle and, and um, um, leave these guys on islands. Like, it frees up someone, right? You don't have to worry about being in, in coverages and taking away a wide receiver because you, you can leave them on an island. So DK will be able to step into that role. I think we've seen really good things from Sheridan Jones. We've seen really good things from um, Goodrich this season. And uh, even though, you know, he punched a guy, like Booth looks pretty amazing, I think, um, when, he, when he's out there on the field. So those, those are like really good pieces. And then you just add in uh, Fred Davis, who's another five-star guy. I mean, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, another five-star here, Fred Davis. Um, one of the best corners in the country, right? I mean, there's yeah, maybe we, – We didn't even talk about him in the household yeah, name yeah. section. And, yeah. and, you know, I mean, I, I made an argument – um, on Twitter and you know, I know this sounds like sour grapes, but there's like four, maybe five, maybe six guys that I would take before Birch just because if I'm, if I'm playing, you know, omniscient, uh, recruiter on, uh, you know, NCAA football or something like that. Um, and, uh, I may take them before Birch just because, uh, of the, the value that they give. So Fred, Fred Davis is a really important piece to be able to continue that legacy and that ability to stick our corners out on Island. So, uh, he's a guy lengthy, uh, very, uh, he's, he's, he's actually looks wiry, but he's really strong, uh, for how he looks. I mean, he's only six foot, but he has like really long wingspan. Um, not, uh, a burner on the top end speed, but he's really quick, does a lot of important things. So he's going to be somebody who I think gets into the two deep sooner than later. Um, DK has been awesome, right, like this year being able to transition. Um, so next season, the whole I don't think is going to be a corner uh, to, to actually get to your question. I think it's going to be in safety, at safety. Mm -hmm. You only have Nolan Turner returning. And then, you know, we, I'm glad that we got Landon Zanders and um, – and, uh, Charleston. Oh yeah. Last year. Yep, yep. Yeah. Well, I mean, we, we got them close to a hundred snaps and, and so, I mean, those are the guys that are, you're pairing with, with Turner and then you're probably putting Mike Jones jr. Out there as a, as the nickel Sam. Um, and you know, I like, that's not bad, but you know, that's not, that's not Simmons. Right. <laughs> yeah. It, it strikes me. It's, it has a bit of a feel of the 2016 defense where, yeah you know, elite defensive line. And I think that's our consensus here is that that's going to be really strong. Um, good experience at the linebacker position with some yeah. youth there. And then a little bit of question marks in the secondary, mostly at safety, less so at corner. Um, and that, that was a very solid, strong defense. I think that team won the national championship against a Jalen Hurst led offense. If mm -hmm. it was like a two led offense, that might've been a different story, but um, give, give Brent Venables the credit that, you know, he schemed that defense to play the Jalen Hurd's offense and uh, gave up a lot of points, but certainly got it, got enough, <laughs> kept them under control enough to where Clemson was in a position to win the game and they did. So um, in any event, that was, that's just like the lazy first comparison that I, I struck was 
the look looking ahead to next year. Um, but I think you, you kind of have a, a higher caliber of, there may still be lack of experience, but I think you've got about a like half a star to one star bump in talent throughout the depth mm -hmm. chart in the back end that um, hope, hopefully you can start to see some of that come along and develop and um, the talent start to rise, rise there and they can develop faster. So the, the last two guys that uh, we could talk about for the secondary are RJ Mickens and, uh, and then Green, who we, we signed uh, today and, and flipped from, uh, from LSU. Um, and so Malcolm Green. And um, Mickens is a guy, I mean, he, he started off kind of overrated a little bit, like in the top 50, and he's kind of slid into being like a top 100 kind of guy, which is where I think he probably uh, belongs. But he had some injuries this, uh, this season that he was coming back from. So um, he's just kind of like a, a all-around solid player, uh, maybe not like elite speed or like Florida speed coming from Texas, um, but like very good all around and, and knows how to play safety. So he's somebody that um, may actually get on the field faster than, than other people just because I think Brent Venables is going to be able to trust him. Uh, his father played right in the NFL. Um, and, and he, you know, he comes from uh, one of the best high school programs in, in the nation in, uh, in Texas at South Lake, uh, Texas. And so, um, so he's somebody to, to watch for his, his progression. Um, and then, I, all throughout this class, I knew that the coaching staff wanted to get a nickel uh, DB that so to allow them to be versatile, like thinking of like Ryan Carter, um, somebody who they could put on the field um, in that same way that they don't really have right now. If you think about that, they don't have like another DB um, player. And so uh, when, when the opportunity arose, right, Dabo said, um, he, he gave the green light to another DB take. Coach Reed wanted Malcolm Green. This was his guy. Um, so, um, I, you know, I thought it was really telling when, when Coach Reed was talking about it when they were doing the, you know, Christmas tree thing today. Um, this was his guy. This is the guy he believed in. Um, and, uh, and he wanted him. So Green is like five foot ten. You know, he's a little bit on the shorter side for a mm -hmm. true safety, right? But, you know, playing uh, – more of a nickel DB role, I don't think that's going to be that big a problem. And, you know, I mean, he's 5'10". He's not like he's 5'8 or 5'9 or something like that, right? Um, yeah. Really strong in, in, uh, in, in run uh, stopping and things like that. And so, yeah, he's going to be another uh, guy who, who I would watch in the near future to, to rise up and be able to, to play that role. And then, you know, we still don't know what we're going to do with Jalen Phillips. I don't know. I, I, I still don't know if we know yet – what Jalen Phillips will look like um, as a player. Like he only got 50, 60 snaps this season. He burned the red shirt, um, which, you know, I, you know, you, you'd rather they get over a hundred snaps, but um, he, he's a player that had a lot of buzz throughout camp and being able to, to be a versatile piece, not, you know, like nobody's going to be Simmons, but to be a, a piece that you can move around um, and so, you know, keep an eye on him as well as the, as the off season progresses. Yeah. You think he could be potentially a, not a backup in that spot, but an alternative if Mike Jones Jr. Like Mike Jones Jr. Being kind of who you expect to slide into that, that Simmons position, Jalen yeah, Phillips I mean, could be. Like Mike Jones Jr. Is more of like a Dorian O'Daniel, right. Um, mm -hmm. Kind of role. I think he would play um, or like a Jalen Williams, right. That, that kind of role. 
um, giving more support and run support. And then, you know, Jalen Phillips is more of a Simmons role, maybe a bit more blitzing, a bit more athletic and can do some coverage. And then like the Ryan Carter role would be somebody like Green who you would get on the field um, to be able to do that. Um, and this is where, you know, like Trenton Simpson is a really interesting piece, right? Because he's super athletic. Do you try to keep him as a Sam or do you, you know, uh, build him up to be a Will or build him up even further to be a defensive end? So those will be fun things that Brent Venables will get to figure out. Mm-hmm. Very good. Um, I guess any other parting thoughts about this class? Um, any any of, of perhaps the three stars that you expect to maybe outshine either through coaching development or maybe you think that they're underrated by the recruiting services? Well, I, I, um, I want to talk about T-Bone, right? Tyler Venables, right? Like, oh, yeah. I, I actually think like he – I mean, I didn't talk about him in terms of like DBs, but like if there's ever like a gritty player that I could see making his way onto the field for Brent Venables' defense – it would be coach's son who knows how to play a position, um, who's actually like, I, I mean, if any of you have seen Daniel High School play, uh, Tyler Venables was like the best athlete on the field. Uh, and so I wouldn't count out Tyler Venables having a role uh, in the same way that his brother has been able to carve out a role as well. Um, and, you know, one of the main things about playing safety is that you're reliable and that you don't bust. And um, so mm-hmm. – you know, in the same way that Nolan Turner got on the field, I could see Tyler Venables having the same kind of uh, career trajectory. And Sage Ennis is another guy who I think profiles a bit like a Davis Allen um, and is more athletic than, than I, I thought and has better ball skills than I thought. Um, and he's somebody that Florida State should have gotten, um, absolutely should have gotten, but he kind of fell into Clemson's lap. And, um, you know, and we, we didn't – uh, pursue. I mean, we pursued Reed Gilbert, but we didn't land Reed Gilbert. But I think Sage Ennis is, is has a has a, the potential to contribute as a uh, higher than a three star or whatever he, he's rated. Yeah. Um, remind me, is Linthicum in the twenty twenty one class, or is he doing a later signing? Twenty twenty one. That's right. Okay, I'm jumping he's ahead. <laughs> he's our center of the future. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I knew there was a center involved at some point, but um. That's cool. Well, um, you know, again, kind of great class. Very excited about some of the names we've talked about. Uh, Stars of the future here. Definitely some potential unsung heroes, too. Uh, So the rich do get richer. Um, I would love to spend kind of our last few minutes, QT, talking a little bit about the the here and the now. Um, The future is bright, certainly. But uh, we got a couple more football games to play, hopefully a couple more. And um, wanted to start with the Fiesta Bowl, your thoughts on the Ohio State matchup. Uh, where Clemson's team is profiling right now against that Ohio State team and where where you are seeing the most critical matchups there. So, oh yeah, plenty of thought, like way too many thoughts. So I'm going to keep myself <laughs> rambling. This time I'm actually going to do it. Um, yeah. Fields versus Lawrence, right? I mean, what a lovely matchup. We finally get to see it on the field. Uh, the the It still gripes me that I see like ESPN graphics that have Trevor Lawrence as the number two overall player. So we get to see that matchup play out. Um, The key question is whether or not Clemson can stop the uh, Ohio State running game, right? The uh, 2016 game when we blew them out 31 to nothing, the offensive line for Ohio State was overrated. 
Like it was totally overrated, and we just manhandled that offensive line and shut them down, and they couldn't do anything. Um, I, I think that their offensive line is better than it was at, back in the 2016 season, but I'm not sure it's that much better. I think there are key weaknesses um, that can be exploited by by Venables, and you know if we can bottle up Dobbins, then Justin Fields. Um, you know, becomes a one-dimensional player. And, and that turns into the, the Wisconsin game, I think, versus what Fields has been able to do against the Big Ten uh, defenses, just torching them. Um, so if you can get pressure on so, – so can we stop the run? And then the, the next question is, can we get pressure on Fields enough so that it disrupts his rhythm? Because if you can get pressure on him and, – and the uh, Ohio State offensive line has given up a ton of sacks this year – but once you give up a uh, once Fields is is sacked, his uh, accuracy goes way down. Um, and when you put him in third and long, I like our matchup of our uh, secondary against their passing attack. The LSU passing attack is much more difficult, more uh, to defend. Um, they have routes and designs that get guys open, right? That put our defenders in conflict. That is going to be a much tougher matchup for the secondary versus the Ohio state scheme, which is much more, it's not vanilla, but it's much easier to kind of uh, defend. It's a lot of go routes, you know, fields chucks the ball down the, down the field. So, um, and, and he, he has some great wide receivers. The, uh, the Olave kid is amazing. Um, and that's his third down, you know, blanket. He goes to that guy, like almost every third down, down the field. Um, so if you can shut down that connection and you can make fields run around, um, I like putting a spy on him and Simmons winning that matchup. So, um, I'm not sure that the, so, so that's on offense and defense, um, for Clemson's offense. I'm not sure that Ohio State's secondary has seen Clemson's wide receiver play or had to defend the field the way that Trevor Lawrence, um, uh, has been able to do. To, to slice up and carve up everybody. I mean, he's playing at an elite level no matter who he's playing right now. So if we see that level of Trevor Lawrence being able to, to read defenses, see the field, and they aren't doing anything that's confusing him, then, um, you know, then I think Clemson wins the game regardless. Um, you know, the question there is can uh, Jackson Carmen contain uh, Chase Young? They have good pieces on the, uh, on the defensive line. Um, but I, you know, I, I look at those big 10 offensive lines and I'm not that impressed. Like they're not that, uh, athletic. So, um, just like in the 2016 year, we were able to, uh, you know, limit their defensive line and they, they weren't able to disrupt things the way that they had in the past. And they had some really good players on that defensive line in 2016 as well. Um, and, and I'm not sure, I, I, I don't know yet whether, the linebackers for Ohio State are a liability. I don't. I don't think they've been tested as much as they will be against you know an ETN kind of caliber running back. So, well, uh, I mean, to, to that last point, I think you talked a good bit in the off season about our linebackers this year not looking as clean based on the defensive line play. Uh, that can also be true here with Ohio State if their D line is not able to get home, create the pass rush, etc you can start to see their linebackers being put into conflict more and potentially having to play at a level that they haven't been expected to. And mm -hmm. that's where you put pressure on a team that, and yes, you know, this Ohio state, they've played some pretty high profile games. Um, but like you said, never against this caliber of offense to this point. So. Um, yeah. I, and I, I, and mm -hmm. That's a great point. And, and I think like LSU, for example, will be able to take advantage of like 
when Chad Smith is uh, like Chad Smith has had a great year. Like I'm not, I'm, I'm not trying to, you know, uh, dog on him in any way, but th- like, that's a matchup that they're going to try to exploit. Um, and LSU can do that. And they'll be able to, right. Yeah. Right. Versus Ohio state. It, it, I, I just don't think they're designed that way to really take advantage of, um, of some of his limitations and, you know, and, and, but he's played well for us uh, this season. Skowski, I think has done, done a really good job. The Virginia game was like a great preparation for what we're going to see. And I think it, it showed some of the, uh, you know, the, the potential weaknesses. We got to tackle. Well, we got to wrap up. Um, we didn't do that great a job against Virginia. We gave up a lot of sh- uh, short passes um, that we'll see against Burrow. I'm not sure we'll see that level of accuracy in the short passing game. It, from it felt like it felt like an Eric Dungy game a little bit to me. Yeah, yeah, that's a great. That's a great. Uh, just maddening. You're like, oh, just right there. So, you know, kudos to Virginia for kind of scheming that up early and executing. Well, and, um, and rather than I, their offensive coordinator, um, who I actually know a little bit, um, it, it did a great job of just abandoning the run completely. Like, this is like, they did not try to run the ball. They just did the short passing game and they used Perkins legs when they wanted to run. It was a great, it was a great, uh, you know, scheme that, that, uh, you know, I think they gained more yards against Clemson's defense than, than anybody else had all season. So, um, yeah, yeah so that, that game gives me a little bit of pause because, you know, they, they were able to do things against well, us. They got some pressure too. That was yeah. the other piece. Um, Virginia's and look like, we're, you know, they're not known as world beaters defensively from a talent standpoint or anything else, but throughout the course of the season, they were able to generate pressure on the offenses they faced and played. So, you know, it's not like we were, uh, there's no, no shame necessarily in having them get home. Uh, my hope is that that is a great coaching moment for this O-line and they'll be able to build on that. But Ohio state's got a formidable D line. And I think you mentioned Chase Young. That's something I'm pretty sure he plays. I mean, he, they move him around that line. So that's also something where Tremaine Ancrum is going to be um, expected to see that and, and defend against that too. And uh, one of the shortcomings I was going to mention about it, our offense is still the pass blocking pickups from the running back position. Yes. Uh, is yes, a potential weak point of this football team in this matchup. Yeah, and you know, if you remember in the championship game last year, I mean, we, we were destroying them 44-16, but you know, Ankrum got got beat a few times where, um, you know, the the it wasn't a duck, but it wasn't the best pass up to Ross when his man when he destroyed his man. That was like there was a free rush basically uh, when Ankrum got beat. So you know, that's a that's a good interesting matchup. Ankrum, I think, has played a way better this season after the Texas A&M game. Um, right. But he's going to have to have a good game because you're, you're, you're right. They move Chase Young around a, a lot. And, and I know I'm, I'm kind of bouncing around a little bit, but the Alabama game last year, uh, they got theirs. They got theirs between the tens. And I think the, the goal line stand capability. And, you know, you could say, um, oh, that was part of the design of Brent Venables for that game. He's like, take all you want. We're just not going to let Tua beat us down the field. Um, and that, you know, for the most part happened or, you know, it played out as Brent Venables designed, but I don't know that we've got the defensive fronts on the line to play the type of red zone suffocating defense that we saw last year, keeping Bam out of the end zone. Yeah. Um, you know, one, another key matchup there is, is if we're going more dime coverage, 
is Kayvon Wallace in coverage. Um, you know, he did a really good job against Smith last year, um, limiting him with yards after the catch. Um, and, you know, the, he'll be matched up against really good uh, interior slot receivers for Ohio State. Or, I mean, he might be along with, with Simmons um, and, and others, but that, that's a matchup to watch. And then, you know, Muse got burned again against Virginia with the double move down the field. Like that's going to be something that we'll have to manage. Uh, and he's played really good this season too. So that was kind of um, disappointing to, to characteristic of yeah. his season. I mean, I think we've seen that in his career, but yeah, it, not ideal <laughs> to your point. Um, so yeah, I, I, the other point I wanted to make, just kind of talking about JK Dobbins, bottling him up. I think that the, this is so cliche, but first down is just going to be so critical if they can get theirs in the running game on first down, that opens up Justin Fields' legs in RPO action in like second and short, third and short. Whereas if they're not doing that, I think it just changes the complexion of their offense a bit. Um, and that's something where if, if what they're doing isn't working, I don't know that we've seen, I mean, I guess you can point to the Big Ten championship, but adjustments being made by that coaching staff on, a, on an elite level um, against the Clemson team, like, I'll take my chances with Ryan day. Yeah, no, I think, I think that absolutely. Um, I, I haven't seen a offensive scheme apart from like Bama's run game. That's really been able to challenge Brent Venables. Although the Virginia ability to gain yards on first down was really disconcerting too. Um, but I don't think that, that Ohio state can replicate that. I do think that LSU can, but, um, but Ohio state can. Uh, so that's where I feel like, yeah, absolutely. We're going to try to, we're going to be like tackle for lost machines, right? Or we're going to try to slice them up. Um, and, and this is a good game for Xavier Thomas, I think to, you know, we show everybody yeah. mm-hmm. uh, and, uh, and have a big game and, and do some penetration and attack in the way that he hasn't as much this season by design, some of it by design. And, you know, and then he had the, uh, the injury and the, the concussion. So, That'll be that'll be a good matchup to watch. I, I think that we can stop Dobbins on first down and, and contain yeah. the, the the running game. And then, you know, then the question is like, is, is Joe Burrow gonna outduel our defense? And that's a that's gonna be great to watch as well. Yeah, as, uh, we can pivot off of Ohio State. Um what's your game plan for LSU if you're you're sort of this coaching staff? Oh man. Um, <laughs> super loaded. This can I'm good with the rambling if you want. No. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's like, such a fascinating matchup to me. I think I want this so bad. It'd be so fun. Uh, I you know I don't know. The rumor is that the the running back for LSU hurt his hamstring. So we'll see. You know if that. But, but like LSU hasn't relied on the running game at all this season. And in the the major games like against Georgia, like they just went with the passing game. And and. Mm-hmm. It's just the, the like I was saying, they put defenders in conflict and Burrow knows where his guys are going to be open. Um, so, you know, so in the same way that we knew that uh, Hunter Renfro was going to be open in the end zone because we were running a rub play, right? Like the LSU offense is built by design to have these guys in conflict and they know that guys are going to be open. So it's going to be about Venables being able to use his dime defense uh, to slow them down 
and then we're going to have to score on them in the way that, you know, almost everybody up until the end of the season was able to score on LSU. I mean, their defense stepped up at the end of the year, but, you know, Texas scored like 30 on them, right? Um, so I, I, I think we're going to give up points. Like, you, you're just trying to curtail them, uh, limit the damage with Burrow. Um, but I said the same thing last year, and, like, you know, we did a really good job against Tua and equally good wide receivers. So, um, you know, A.J. Terrell is going to have to have a great game. DK is going to have to have a great game. Simmons, I, I think they, we can do that. And, and we match up better against them than any of the SEC defenses that they've seen um, in pass coverage. So, um, yeah. you know, my only pause is like, ooh, you know, Perkins was able to be really accurate and get a bunch of first down slants and things like that. And that was not, that was not fun to see. Um, that's what gives me pause about like just going all in and being like, yeah, we are. I'm going to bet the mortgage. Yes. Yeah, exactly. I would also say pass rush and just Joe Burrow's yeah. evasiveness and their O line looks really solid. Like some of those Georgia plays early on, everyone knows about like the seven second play where he basically manufactured a touchdown enough out of nothing there. But um, yeah, I mean, if we're not able to organically generate a pass rush and we're having to send, send blitzers, that just opens up downfield options for Burrow. So well, and and with um with Burrow the same way like with Perkins, right? We we played a bit of contain, right? And we just tried mm-hmm. to keep him in front of us. In the same way that Georgia was, like on the seven second play, like they they were kind of pass rushing, but they were supposed to play contain, right? So yeah. is Brent Venables going to attack, or is he going to have the same kind of game plan that he had for Perkins, where it was kind of like, um, well, I'm not going to let you beat us. Uh, with your legs and so it, you know make you beat us with your arm and ah you know I, I'd rather try to get pressure on Burrow it'll be interesting to see how, how Venables plays that yeah I mean it we've got Isaiah Simmons in a way that Georgia did not so that's kind of my thought in getting the pressure at least having Simmons there he's not obviously going to spy but um, the ability to adjust and react back to a scramble um Feels, feels a lot better with our, our safeties and with Isaiah Simmons. And, and you know, is, is Burrow a better athlete than Perkins? Like, that's a good comparison, I think, for, for mm-hmm. the Clemson defense, like, to be able to get right. Yeah, no doubt. Um, well, that's, that is interesting about LSU's running back. I don't know that that's necessarily going to factor in in the o- Oklahoma game. But if insofar, I mean, hamstrings can be yeah. quite lingering, quite chronic. Um, you know, they would need him on all cylinders against a Clemson defense. They so, need the grit of a Tyler Venables to tape it up and get back out there. He played with exactly. a, like a torn hamstring all season, I guess. Man. Which is pretty awesome. Beast. Love it. <laughs> well, uh, playoffs should be really fun. Um, I, I guess OU's got some drug test-related drama going on on their side. We O-Strain. know that all too well. Ostrian is is it Ostrian? No, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, who knows? Um, but in any event, yeah, I, I guess that side probably is not going to be as dramatic or close, but we will see. But uh, the Fiesta Bowl should be a lot of fun. And then, you know, we'll see see what happens in the Natty. But um, QT, thanks so much for coming on. Definitely have to have you back on soon. Let's see what plays out here in the playoff. But um, certainly around official National Signing Day in February, would love to just recap the whole class, think about how the depth chart is looking going into the spring after the season. Um, but we really appreciate you coming on to recap this nation leading number one class, first one in school history. 
Uh, it's really good to be a Tiger, and we appreciate you coming on, buddy. My pleasure. Thank you. You got it. Uh, last plug for our listeners. You can find Quacking Tiger, his work, in really two spots. Um, very active on Twitter, must follow. Uh, very funny on there as well. Um, but, you know, dropping a lot of knowledge during games, mostly after games as well. He's at Quacking Tiger on Twitter. Um, and then a lot of musings, particularly this time of year, over at shakinthesouthland.com regarding recruiting. Um, he does a Monday morning quarterback recap of the game, um, which is typically uh, just an amazing brain dump stream of consciousness of observations of the team's play, specific players, um, kind of good, the bad, the ugly. So um, those are always must reads as well. Definitely looking forward to that coming out of the playoff. Very poorly organized. Yes, I know. <laughs> no, no, no. It's good. It's a great read. You can get through it in a few minutes. Um, so that's awesome. But um, yeah, QT, a legend over at SCS. A lot of great work happening over there right now with uh, National Signing Day or Early Signing Day. And with the, um, there will be a lot of good playoff preview content coming up too. So uh, we really appreciate the partnership over with Shaking the Southland. Um, you know, you guys are doing great work for the Clemson community. And um, looking forward to just all that playoff content coming up soon. Um, as for the podcast, guys, we are going to be doing a good amount of previews here coming up for the Fiesta Bowl, so stay tuned for that. Um, you know where to find us. We are on Twitter at Clemson Podcast. We're over on Facebook, too, under the same name. Um, hit us up there. We're pretty active on both. Tell a friend about the podcast. You can subscribe to us on your pod podcasting app of choice. Um, imagine all of you are doing that if you found this, but um, if not, please tell a friend. We appreciate the word of mouth. I'm going to wrap it up there. Really looking forward to coming back and talking playoff with everybody. Um, everyone have a great, safe, and happy holidays with friends and family. Rewatch some Clemson games. Get geared up for that Fiesta Bowl. We'll be back with some preview content, likely after Christmas. Uh, and then it's a short jaunt from there to the 28th in the Fiesta Bowl. So um, thanks again for tuning in, for making it for this preview or the recap show of National Signing Day. And as always, go Tigers. <laughs>